Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The first playoff edition of the PFF forecast. We have officially made it through uh, most of the games. Uh, we're going to recap what was a very interesting wild card round. Some good stuff to talk about, including the Minnesota Vikings and Los Angeles Chargers pooping themselves on a football field. And we have a Minnesota Vikings fan and a Los Angeles Chargers fan to talk about it with. It's going to be great. We do a little Lamar talk because uh, now that the Ravens are out of it, uh, is officially Lamar Jackson offseason. Um, and we'll take a look at some of the futures odds with Ben and, of course, guess the lines and uh, make some bets for the divisional round. Uh, I would say let's rock. We're getting a new um, intro. So there's no intro. We're just getting right into it. Brad, Ben, um, I hope that the printing was good for you guys today because we needed it after that, uh, that Saturday. Printing was great. We were talking pre-show a little bit. Uh, the, the totals are still flying over, folks. Uh, right. It's been an overcorrection since midway through the season or so. And I know this is kind of not even relevant, but you look at the three college football playoff games and all five NFL playoff games, every single one has gone over so far. In, 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 in big games in, in this era of football, team score points. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the, four, the first four of the wild card round games all going over was – very much the boost that I needed because I did not have, I don't think I had a single side, right? I guess I didn't bet the Bills and Dolphins game on the spread. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't have a single side winner, but I won all the totals. And then, of course, when the totals come through, the anytime touchdown props come through as well. So those are what uh, carried me as well. Three of the four articles hit on that. Uh, feeling pretty good. So as long as, uh, as long as we get the teaser leg, the finer te- teaser leg home tomorrow, I think overall, It'll be, you know, a profitable super wild card round Betty Wells for me. Yeah, I, I got, um, you know, I had a big position on Christian McCaffrey over 16 and a half rushing attempts. That was a very bad beat. Not as bad as Arjun's lock of the century, which was Keenan Allen over six and a half. Keenan Allen had 13 targets yesterday. Yeah. Um, he had like three that were batted <laughs> by a defensive lineman, which was absolutely incredible. Um, finished with six catches on 13 targets. But then today we had um, the great TJ Gronkinson, whose uh, prop was at four and a half. Obviously that sailed over. I also bet him seven to one to lead the game in receiving yards. So that was, that was great. And um, Stefan Diggs, uh, an absolute send as well. Jamar Chase, a great day of football. Let's, let's get into it um, and, and talk first about uh, the game that we just saw where the Ravens and the Bengals played. And honestly, I mean, Bengals are very lucky to have come out of that one with a win because it took an interesting call. Um, so, Brad, your, I guess, takeaways from that game, um, 
which finished a seven point spread, but, but may not have been that, uh, that big of a difference. Yeah. You know, I think Harbaugh is one of the best in the business. I think we'd all probably agree with that. And to even be in this game with Tyler Huntley and a couple other injuries elsewhere, guys like Marcus Peters who are healthy, but we're getting kind of just, just demolished the entire game um, and still be in it. There's some moments with him where he kind of goes away from his bread and butter. I don't know why you're not QB sneaking low or just handing it to Gus Bus and just pounding the rock, you know, in a very traditional manner. The jump over the top obviously been effective. We saw it with Trevor Lawrence when the, you know, the, the penalty, uh, one of many penalties on Joey Bosa last night, and he very easily just, you know, ha- put it over the, the goal line and it was an easy two point conversion. But I mean, that that decided the game. And yes, yeah, since he got away with it, because I'm telling you, if Baltimore scores there, I have zero faith in Cincinnati going down and scoring mm-hmm. seven points uh, against that defense. They couldn't move the ball at all the last quarter of the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree with you. I do think they, they did give Gus Edwards the rock on second and two, basically wouldn't, I, I think you definitely probably go back to him on third down there, but it also just felt like an egregious decision to try and go over the top kind of like you said. And, and outside of that, like the Bengals trying to kind of close the game out, weren't really impressive offensively. Obviously things would have been different down seven versus up seven in that situation. But I think the offensive line concerns are going to be, I would say very much a prominent talking point heading into Buffalo next week. And I think, you know, overall their performance, you know, I, I would say is probably very discouraging as they very clearly, I would say, kind of look like the third best team in the AFC this particular weekend. The the, the QB sneak was so funny because the uh, takeaway from the Jaguars-Chargers game could have easily been, you know, it should probably be that the Chargers blew it in a lot of ways. But uh, the Jaguars, I thought, made some really shrewd decisions not the least of which was leveraging their quarterback in a QB sneak situation where he was long enough to reach the ball over the, uh, uh, over the goal line there. Um, And uh, yeah, just a really, really interesting decision. But I will say this as I think some of the takes around the Bengals will be, Oh, they're not very good. They, they did not play that well. And what I would say is this was their third matchup against a division rival which is the team that Joe Burrow has played worst against this season. And so going into Buffalo, I'm very interested to talk about this game. Buffalo barely beat Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins. So before we get carried away with, you know, are the Bengals for real? Should we be worried about them? You know, I mean, like both teams kind of, kind of squeaked by. Um, Let's talk about the Vikings really quickly. Uh, Go up seven, nothing. Uh, Giants immediately become like two to one. Uh, which I think everyone in the printing press discord, which if you're not a member of that yet, you got to get involved. Uh, everyone immediately bet that live. Uh, all like 250 people in there were immediately smashing that. I think it was plus five and a half. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, ben, you are a diehard Vikings fan. You I don't know what purple. that. <laughs> <laughs> After today, don't put that on me today. You, you have a shrine to TJ Hawkinson in your home. Uh Smaller one to Kirk That's Cousins true. there as well. Uh, who do you blame more, Kirk Cousins or um, KOC? I mean, so look, we I think we've known all season throughout Kirk's entire time. In okay, I, I'll say this: I wasn't I wasn't a huge Kirk Cousins proponent when he was in Washington. I obviously, but you know, would say in some ways I wasn't as familiar with his game as obviously I have become in Minnesota. But like, you can't give that guy any sort of route short of the sticks in third and long and third and crucial or fourth and long situations because he's going to take it every single time. Right. And I, so I think going back to his tendencies, going back to the fact that 
he has very much shown the 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 check down situation and key and crucial points consistently throughout his entire time in Minnesota. Like that 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 really can't be an option. I think you maybe want to rip in some ways on you know the play calling situation as well. Like you know you pointed out sending Justin Jefferson deep, it did seem like the correct route and throw was probably to Adam Thielen coming out, or if he had a little bit of more time, you know KJ Osborne, Osborne. In, the, in the middle basically. But like the the fact that they allowed you know. Uh, Justin Jefferson fly route where he was double covered in that situation does seem like a little bit of an egregious route for him specifically in that situation. So I don't know. I, I, I obviously like want to point the finger at Kirk, but Kirk is very much who we kind of think he is at this point. Right. And losing that game in that fashion, you know, you know, obviously maybe wouldn't have got there in overtime either, but the fact that he wasn't even kind of willing to let somebody, I would say, throw the football downfield, you know, it, it just speaks to where this current Vikings team is at. And unfortunately, you just can't win, I would say, meaningful football games with a Kirk Cousins type at quarterback, especially the fact that, you know, looking across the field from him today, you know, with a guy like Daniel Jones, and we can maybe talk about sh- what the Giants should do with him at a later mm. point. But like he very much at least provides things on the ground game or can actually make some plays with his, you know, rushing ability. And I think that's the the maybe the key shift that we've seen kind of com- take hold i would say at the nfl level this year is like if you're a pocket passer like kirk cousins that doesn't provide much uh you know you know from that you that doesn't provide much from a rushing perspective like your offense is severely limited and so unless you're you know tom brady in his prime like it's really tough i would say to kind of carry a football team with that guy at quarterback so i think that's maybe the fundamental shift um overall because you know daniel jones was very clearly the better quarterback in this particular game. And if that was the matchup that, or, and that was kind of tilted in the Giants direction, like they didn't have, the, the Vikings didn't have any other shot, I would say, to win this game. So it's unfortunate. It's expected. It's Vikings football. That's all I can say. I have a take. Uh, initially, so that if you look at the play, um, both Jefferson and, and Thielen run deep routes. Uh, KJ Osborne runs a, uh, uh, an over, um, from left to right over the middle, deep over. And TJ Hawkinson runs an, uh, an out route that does not even come close to approaching the line to game. Okay. There's no like, either he didn't know where the line to game was, he ran the wrong route, something like that. So I saw that and I was like, actually, um, I kind of think this is KOC's fault. Like this is, you know, you got to drop a play that, that gives him some, some options here, especially because the the Giants blitz at the, the highest rate in the NFL. Dexter Lawrence had been just eating alive that interior. You knew he didn't have time. You cannot, you cannot not throw the ball to Justin Jefferson there. I'm sorry. Like it has to go to Justin Jefferson unless he's got like three people on. Um, but I actually, I, I think that this is chess, not checkers. I think that KOC was making the point that my quarterback is, too, he's a robot. He is. He's too stupid. He it's like, it's like he's he is not going to be smart enough to overcome anything that is put in his way. He can't, literally can't figure out where the line to gain is. I gave him a play. He ran that play and didn't throw it to any of the guys that were past the, the line to gain. And he's going to try and leverage that to get Kirk out of Minnesota. That's my take. And I'm sticking I would to love, it. I honestly, it's an that, awful if, play call. If that's what it is, I would honestly have so much more respect for KOC. Cause that would be like the one scenario in which it's probably justified. Yeah. I, I don't know. I honestly, like, I hate blaming the complete play call in that situation. Obviously, True. you'd like some more outs at, like, you know, the, at least the line to gain, right? Because really the only the only route that was even close to it was 
uh, you know, KJ Osborne, I still think he was like eight or nine yards past the past the sticks at that point, right? So you have three pretty deep routes, and then and then the flare route essentially to TJ Hawkinson, which is just not the not the play call that you want. So I don't know. Better coach on the on the Giants side, better quarterback on the Giants side. You know, very clearly, I would say the better team in this one. So even if the Vikings somehow would have gotten there to tie the game up. Uh, it, it probably would have still ended up as heartbreaking at the end as well. So I, I, I mean, I, I think your point about Daniel Jones being Kirk on wheels, like it's it's a huge point in today's NFL. I mean, you're going <laughs> to at some point, you're going to at some point need to scramble for seven or eight yards when when the right. chips are down and you don't have anyone open. And like he's just incapable of doing that. But I don't know if you guys saw the post game presser. O'Connell kind of took blame, but he also did say. Kirk was either feeling pressure or thought he was feeling pressure. Mm. So it kind of ties into mm. your uh, conspiracy theory, George, because um, he really had a little bit more time. But I think we've probably talked this before. But, yeah, when Dexter Lawrence is in your lap on 25 snaps, you're uh, going to assume he's going to be there again. Um, right. And I think Kirk was here in footsteps. But uh, end of the day, you know, Josh Dobbs, Kirk Cousins, it's it happens. It happens. I, you know, in a, you've got an entire season's worth of, you know, time – uh, on task with those teams in practice. I, like, I, I don't want to, you know, I, we've talked a lot about Doug Peterson on this podcast over the years. What Doug Peterson did on a very important fourth down in that game against the, the Chargers was was elite, right? He, he totally fooled the opposing team. He put backs, you know, three backs next to each other. It, people had no idea what was going on. Travis Etienne is, is scooting out to the right. Um, after lining up to the left side of Lawrence and you I feel like you got to do better than that in that situation but um, I, I think he was proving a little bit of a point Let, let's talk uh, Lamar here before we get into uh, Super Bowl and Conference Futures because I think it'll be interesting to see where we think the strongest teams are um, after this uh, after this wild card round or most of this wild card round start with you Brad um, the Ravens defense played really really well down the stretch made Joe Burrow really made Joe Burrow work. It was his toughest opponent over the, uh, the course of the season. Um, no Lamar. There was an interesting tweet by RG three, which he has a lot of interesting tweets. Um, but this one was, I think maybe there's this kind of some, some actual truth and interest to it, which was he of course had that playoff game in his rookie year where he came back from injury, wore a brace, um, basically torched his knee and was never the same, same again. Uh, all the reasons may, may include other things than just the knee, but it's an interesting point. Lamar sits out of this game. does not play um, as he, as he should, if he's not completely healthy, especially without a, out of contract in front of him. Um, what do you think uh, is going to happen with Lamar? So I think in a weird way, um, Lamar, it, you kind of need him more. And I don't even mean that in the sense of you see how bad they are on offense when he doesn't play. You see Huntley with, you know, an ugly interception, some other ugly throws. But I also think it's more so at this point you're resigned to when you when you have all these expensive players, your left tackle, your, your top corner, Marlon Humphrey, your top safety, Marcus Williams, now Roquan Smith, the highest paid line, off-ball linebacker in the NFL, like yada, 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 yada. You're not going to add major weaponry. So you honestly right. need a quarterback that is a one-man walking offense. Like, I think it's almost made him more necessary and more important to just, hey, we're going to run the football. We're going to shuffle through three or four running backs. And we're going to have Mark Andrews, you know, have some some big catches here and there. End of the day, I think they're going to franchise tag him. I don't think it's that weird he didn't travel today. I know people were trying to make it a controversy that he did not travel with the team today. I know people were trying to make it a controversy that he tweeted about his own injury. Technically, you're not really supposed to talk about your injuries. You know, but look, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. It's his body. Um, 
I think they're going to franchise tag him with the exclusive tag, which will be about $45 million. Um, and they're going to have to work around the books with that and obviously restructure deals and figure that out and then just go to battle on this contract negotiation. But they're not going to give him a fully guaranteed contract. No one is. I, I know fans keep asking this. Did Watson set a precedent? Yada, yada, yada. I mean, good luck to everyone arguing it. It's not going to happen in my opinion. So I think we'll get a franchise tag, and I wouldn't be surprised if he plays on that franchise tag next year. Uh, I kind of think you're right. And I guess it's interesting. Why would – what do you think is the barrier? Is it is it that he is going to hold out for that fully guaranteed type of deal and and, and that's why they're not going to get a deal done? Like that, that seems kind of ridiculous. I do. I do. I think you really think other players are saying, and look, other players are saying this guy who is clearly not a good human being for a million different reasons got this deal. Why can't I, who shows the building every day and works hard and does a lot of work in the community. I get all those things. I get all those arguments at the end of the day. There has been one contract situation in the history of the NFL that was like Deshaun Watson's. It was Deshaun Watson's. He was effectively a free agent, even though he was a top 10 quarterback in the NFL at 26, 27 years of age, whatever it is. That has never happened before and will never happen again because those guys either get extended or they get mm-hmm. franchise tagged or the, you pick up the fifth year option, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, like Joe Burrow's not going to get it. Justin Herbert's not going to get it. Go down the list. The guys are not going to get that, that, that fully guaranteed deal. And, and, you know, I will say this too, though. I do also think you can't put, I think that's a lot of it. I also think Baltimore does wonder, hey, once we give this guy, let's ignore the structure. Once we give this guy 45 to 55, you know, whatever, $50 million a year, let's say, can we still spend around him on this roster, on the offensive line and on the defense and and so, you know, and still be as good as we are? And I don't know if they think the answer to that question is a definitive yes. I, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. Let's talk, uh, let's talk futures now. So looking at um... – these are in FanDuel. Let's start with the conference um, conference winners. So not surprisingly, the two one seeds are still uh, the favorites in each uh, NFC and the AFC. Let's start with the AFC. Chiefs are plus 150, Bills plus 175, Bengals plus 350, and the Jaguars are plus 1,100. We know the Chiefs are playing the Jags. That's the early game on NBC on Saturday, and the Bills are playing the Bengals um, that is the uh, early game on Sunday. So start with you, Ben. It, are any of these surprising to you, or do you think this is about right? I mean, the Chiefs basically haven't moved whatsoever. Now they're going to be pretty heavy favorites, I would say, at home against Jacksonville this weekend, probably over a touchdown uh, you know, spread at least. Like The fact that they're you know 25 cents less than Buffalo, I think, is is kind of egregious. I don't know. I, I I thought they were probably a value last week. It does seem like there is basically no consideration, I would say, of what the first round buy actually means to these, you know, to the first mm-hmm. to the first seed. So I think that's just like the blind spot in the market right now. So I think that the Chiefs very much makes sense. I do think, it, you know, uh, looking at it a little further, I know you want to look at the conferences, but the Super Bowl odds, like the 49ers are a shorter at shorter odds from the Super Bowl than the Philadelphia Eagles right now, which I think is very interesting because they're, mm-hmm. you know, 20 cents, 20 cents different in the NFC market. I, I still, I, I would say that it's pretty much a, you know, an opportunity based on a little bit of misprice, mispriceness with that first overall seed. And I think that those are the two teams that you absolutely have to look at. I know there's maybe some, you know, idea of rust or anything else playing a role, but 
the fact of the matter is all 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 six of these other teams essentially played really tough games this weekend. Kansas City and Philadelphia sat at home uh, and, and very much still get the best matchup coming up next weekend. So uh, I, I think those are probably the only two spots I could really get on board with if you're looking to you know get some action down. I would say in the futures market right now. The, the Chiefs, I agree with you on, on the Chiefs 100. And you all, I mean, the Chiefs are playing the Jaguars a considerably, I mean, not considerably, but a definitively worse team than both the Bills and the Bengals, right? Who have to go up and play one another. And then, you know, the, the Chiefs would obviously play at home if they were to face uh, the Bengals, play in Atlanta if they were to face uh, the Bills. The Bills will, of course, play one additional game. Um, Brad, anything on the FC side that's interesting to you? I think it's Chiefs. You know, I think we talked pre-show. These offensive lines in Buffalo and Cincinnati are, and I know people are going to say, well, Cincinnati just did this last year. They, they, that was, there was a lot of luck inherently in that right. to take nine right. sacks against Tennessee and still win that game. That's not going to happen again. They probably should have mm-hmm. lost tonight. So I just think these two offensive lines and the Chiefs have a top five offensive line in the NFL. I think we're going to see that bear out. And that is going to be the difference in the AFC playoffs. NFC, the Eagles plus 150, the Niners plus 170, the Cowboys plus 550. Bucks are 10 to 1, and the Giants are 13 to 1. Uh, the Giants having worse odds. And uh, two teams that still haven't played yet uh, is fantastic. Um, that's how much a, a win against the, uh, the Vikings is worth, I guess. Um, ben, you already kind of called this out in terms of, you know, the Eagles um, as a, maybe a Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl odds. So let's look at those Super Bowl odds. Uh, it's Kansas City three to one, Buffalo plus three eighty, San Francisco plus four fifty, Philadelphia five to one, Cincy six to one, Dallas is fourteen to one, Tampa Bay twenty five to one, Jacksonville twenty eight to one, as are the New York Giants. So you know, you're looking at those, Ben. Um, is there anything that that sticks out to you besides kind of the Eagles and the one seed there? Because there's some interesting things. You know, the Eagles. We'll talk about the Eagles and the Giants. In a second, the Eagles already beat uh, the Giants pretty soundly with Daniel Jones um, already. Um, I, I don't know. Do you do you see them substantially better than the the 49ers right now? I don't know. I mean, I, I do think it's very close, but I do think the the matchup that San Francisco is going to have now in the divisional rounds obviously much different than what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to face off, right? Because I think you know if you're a 49ers fan, you very much wanted the Vikings to win this game you'd much rather face the Vikings than either the Dallas Cowboys or Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I do think that the, you know, where, where kind of has San Francisco does make a lot of sense. I think the team that jumps out to me that I don't agree with is probably the Dallas Cowboys, given where they're at in both the NFC market uh, and the Super Bowl odds, they seem really mispriced at least as far as being, you know, and they are a very public team and everything else. And they are probably going to be, you know, moved up a little bit just for that one fact alone, but they, I don't think, belong, I would say, substantially better than a team like Tampa Bay that they're going to face off with against tomorrow. So that would maybe be the only other thing that just looks off to me. But, you know, it's obviously hard. You can't bet the other side of that in these, you know, right. multi-way markets. So it probably is just an avoid for me. Um, outside of Kansas City, I think they're really the only team that I'd want to touch at this point. I agree with you there, Ben. Dallas is intriguing to me here. Um, they have their awards, they have their issues. But I think Tyron Smith maybe settles in a little bit right tackle. Um, and I just, I'm just, none of these teams in the NFC, honestly, I think the, the Niners are my favorite uh, out of the NFC, but you could just t- convince yourself at a certain point, you know, Brock Purdy's stat line was great yesterday. He probably could have had two or three interceptions in that game. <laughs> um, not taking anything away from our guy BCB, but 
Uh, you know, you, you could see him losing at some point in the NFC playoffs. So maybe, you know, you like Dallas there. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, Kansas City seems like on a collision course. And and, and the Niners, man, I uh, I don't know. I, just when you're that much better than everyone in the trenches, you're going to have Nick Bosa going up against a, a less than 100% Lane Johnson. Um, you know, it's it, it, they're just they're just nasty, man. They're, they're a rude football team. Yeah, I, I do think that there's that Chiefs Niners rematch um, is something we could be looking at here, which would be yep. would be a lot of fun. <laughs> BCB is getting some laughs in the in the comment <laughs> section. That that thing is going to stick. Um, it's absolutely incredible. He he also he looks like he's twelve years old. Um, yeah, I know. Some people right. in the uh, I haven't made this uh, comparison publicly, but good friend of ours, Ben Solak. Uh, I feel like he and Brock Purdy. I see Brock Purdy, and I think I'm looking at Ben Solak. The decent cop, yeah. yeah. You know, um, they both know ball, so you know, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the other thing that I think is noteworthy is looking at the injuries. And we'll talk about this when we get into to everything. Um, you know, the Bengals I think came out of this a lot worse for wear. And we'll face a Bills team that can probably take advantage of that. Obviously, the Eagles and the Chiefs are completely healthy. Um, are there any other uh, injuries that you took note of, Brad, that should be should be noted here? No, you mentioned the big one was the Bengals. We'll see about Jonah Williams. Looked pretty bad, but also not him. I mean, Eli Apple went down. Like, they had a bunch of dudes, you know, in and out of the lineup yeah. the whole game. Um, already down multiple starters in the offensive line. I, I think they're in trouble. Yeah, I would think so as well. Um, by the way, before before we let you go, Ben, Dallas and Tampa Bay tomorrow. Um, we've talked about this game a bunch. What are your your biggest positions right now in that game? I mean, I do like Dallas minus two and a half. Um, oh, you do? I, I don't. I, I do think that's the play based. I, and I want to know, obviously, what's happening with the injury situation mm-hmm. uh, for Tampa Bay. Basically, I do think Ryan Jensen sounds like he's not going to be ready. Um, you know, Robert Hansley is questionable i think he got in a limited practice as well but like if they don't have anybody in that interior offensive line like dallas defensively could probably win this game i would say on their own so even without a dak prescott you know even if dak prescott kind of plays similar to where he was at last week or or in this week one match against tampa bay like i, I still think dallas could probably pull this one out so i do like dallas a decent amount i think you know uh mike evans maybe over 5.5 receptions in the spot we like from the player props tool I don't know. I, I think that the the weird thing about Dallas is they match up really well against teams that kind of have that prototypical number one wide receiver and not really great against a team like San Francisco that can obviously spread the football around quite a bit. So I'm I'm hesitant to really want to buy into Mike Evans in this game. It does seem like it would be, you know, a, a, a spot where, where, where the offense very much needs to kind of go through Chris Godwin. So uh, I'm not really touching anything from a props perspective yet, but I got a I got our simulation article coming out tomorrow, and I will have some I would say pretty good, hopefully anytime touchdown scores from that. Didn't uh, was it uh, three for five hit, today? Yeah, three. Five? Yeah, I I only did four articles, three of four, all plus two fifty long, long. We had Isaiah Hodgins. The one I missed was Donald Parham, which I had him at like plus seven hundred when he first opened. I think that moved like plus five hundred. He did have a red end zone target. Actually. He did. He got fed in, in that, that game, game too. Like he had a lot of it, targets in that game. He had a lot of targets in the game, so he was definitely involved, basically, which you know is what we needed. I did have DK Metcalf in the first game, basically, um, as well. So that was a good hit. And I'm for some reason even like I can't even remember what we had um, 
there was a game before the Vikings played, unfortunately, today. That yeah, uh, Dolphins and I'm, Bills. <laughs> Dawson, Dawson. So you guys had Dawson Knox on that one. I had uh, James Cook. I think he actually had. Uh, first he scored. Yeah. He was plus yeah. two twenty or something. So yeah, that, those were the three that I had that hit. Which in the keep them so, Got it. Got it. You are not uh, the first. Uh, not the only smart person that is uh, kind of still backing the Cowboys. And um, I, I talked to someone on Friday. And they were like, you know what? I just, they're, everyone is writing them off. And I think it's a good point, which is I'd actually way rather back the Cowboys now in a situation where when you're the Cowboys, really interesting. If you have a semblance of a good game, everyone opens every single talk show. It's like, welcome to get up in the morning. And Mike Greenberg's, right. you know, they're in a cowboy hat and they talk about the Cowboys for 35 minutes. And it's either, can they win the Super Bowl or is everyone getting fired and are they going to burn down the facility? It, like if there's no middle ground, right? And it's every time. And so this entire week, it's been, hey, is it, are they, you know, is Dak bad? Are they going to fire McCarthy? Like all of these different things. And so I, I do think there is a good narrative there around like these guys are going to be really serious in this game. They have probably the more talented team, I think you'd have to say, and the more healthy team as well. Um, so uh, it's it's a really, I think, good and interesting take. You can find all of Ben's great work on the PFF app and pff.com, which with promo code forecast, I might add, you can get for 20% off a PFF plus subscription. And I will point out that uh, Ben references the simulation that we are working on that he is using for a lot of these uh, first uh, touchdown bets. And um, if you are a member of the PFF printing press discord, you can uh, get in on the beta test of that. Yes. So I encourage you uh, the link uh, it's on our Twitters and it's in the description. As well, you can go check it out. Ben, we appreciate you. Can't wait to bet some games with you this week. Here we go. Keep it hot, guys. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. We will uh, do our best. Um, As we wait for Arjun to jump on here, going to pay the bills a little bit. DraftKings, if you have not signed up, I I imagine there's a pretty shrewd group of people here. So maybe you need to give someone a little bit of a recommendation. They're looking for a new book or you're in Ohio or you're going to Ohio for the first time or Massachusetts or wherever you're traveling. Um, Go to DraftKings, use promo code PFF when you sign up and you can bet $5, just $5 on uh, any team to win and then get $200 in free bets instantly. It's that easy. Um, And then all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings step up same game parlays you can boost your winnings with each leg that you add up to 100 percent we're going to talk about a ton of games a ton of games but all the games right now and the bets that we like so get yourself ready to rock with promo code pff on the DraftKings sportsbook app use that promo code and bet just five dollars and get 200 dollars in free bets instantly only at DraftKings sportsbook with promo code pff minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see the show notes for details also western and southern our friends uh, with all that money that you won, if you followed on the printing press, then you did. Uh, you can go invest it in whatever it is, the home of your dreams, retirement, home insurance, whatever, life insurance, whatever it is. At Western Southern Financial, they'll put a game plan together for you to make sure your money grows as opposed to uh, going down the drain. Uh, so let it work for you at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Okay, Arjun. Uh, yesterday, I just got to let everyone know yesterday at this time, uh, in, in the slack, Arjun let Brad and I know, he's like, guys, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to do the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> it was like 10, five minutes after the chargers absolutely, um, just embarrassed themselves on national television. So I'm going to give you the floor here. Like now that you've had 24 hours to 
let it sink in. Where's your head at? What are you thinking about Staley, about Herbert, about the whole thing, about the game? Uh, where are you at? Yeah, uh, I was legitimately questioning my fandom to football just in general and why I even like like this sport. When your favorite team blows a 27-0 lead, the third biggest blown lead in postseason history, I mean, you, you kind of question what you're doing with your life, just watching and spending hours debilitating about this team. I It's just I, I don't know what went wrong. The Jags, obviously, a lot of props to them, to Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, well-coached well quarterback out in the second half like I thought they had a great performance I don't really have much takes about the coaching staff I'm, a, I'm just gonna let that play out um I think in terms of Herbert I, I don't think he had the best game it wasn't a game that you know was up to his normal standards I don't think he was the reason they lost I don't think he got a lot of help from his from his coaching staff pass protection was was pretty bad in the second half and you know obviously I, I don't like win loss record as a QB stat but it is tough three years into his rookie contract the the best window you'll ever have as an nfl franchise with an elite quarterback and you have th zero playoff wins to show for it and so something needs to happen you know either the roster needs to be upgraded they need to get new receivers and new offense something needs to happen so that they can be competitive because as as you can see trevor lawrence i wrote him off and he didn't write back uh very early in the game and i i deserved every old takes exposed that i, that I you know got tagged under my <laughs> tweet but he is legit, and you know the AFC. I think just in general, it's going to be very fun to see this group of quarterbacks duel it out for the next 10, 15 years. Did, let me ask you about Staley real quick because um, I don't know why I turned on uh, NFL Countdown today on ESPN, but I did, and so that made me meant I had to listen to Rex Ryan and his incredibly white fake teeth um, <laughs> talk to me, lecture me about Brandon Staley and. What he said was, it was so funny. It was like, he, he was basically lambasting him for being way too aggressive. And then he goes, you know what? He has gotten better about that this year, which is good. <laughs> and oh, I, you know, I mean, first off, no one watches ESPN NFL countdown and thinks they're getting any actual insight about football. But I, I bring this point up because I'm, as someone that follows the team really, really closely, it seemed like Brandon Staley may have, you know, I think he was leveraging math. I don't think it was all just like gumption and, you know, I'm going to just go for it and send a message, but it is weird to me because he now seems to have gotten bullied out of that um, way of thinking. And if you're truly using math, like that you understand, you're not going to get bullied out of it. Right. You know, it's like, well, I understand the, the way this things work. And so I'm going to stick with it. But my God, I mean, it was like, you know, it, it was like there was a race to who could kick four field goals would win the game yesterday. And do, do you think that like the media, the liberal media has bullied um, Brandon Staley out of being aggressive um, and going for him fourth downs and all these things? Like, I don't know. Wait, do you think he's on tilt? What, what's your take on Staley there? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, obviously, we're, I'm speaking from an outside perspective. Um, and yeah, I do think the media probably had some part to play in it. I, I do want to, you know, you, I think you and Eric actually talked about this last year. I think it, it was either in the offseason or towards the end of the season. I don't necessarily think like Staley was like a real sharp. I don't think he was following the models blindly. I think he definitely used them in his decision making. But I think in general, his his kind of like decision making on fourth downs is more aggressive than math based, which 
you know, I didn't mind, you know, there were sometimes he didn't go for it when he should have. There's sometimes he went for it when it was the models, PFF's model of fourth down, like Ben Baldwin's model said it was a mm-hmm. toss up. But I think, yeah, I think something had to have switched where he it's the math was is the same, but he's just going for it less. And I, I do feel like the Staley last year would have gone for it on the fourth and three to, instead of going up, you know, going from 10 to 13. And I, you know, obviously that's a huge edge that he had last year, won the Chargers multiple games. But instead we saw Doug Peterson gain about, you know, 20%, at least 20% win percentage points by going for it on fourth downs while Staley lost, you know, win percentage points by kicking and punting it. Brad, do you think it was the media? Do you think like Spanos sat him down? Like that ownership. Perfect answer. No one today woke up, even though he probably lost them the game with some decisions. No Mm. one woke up an angry old fired head coach who's been fired from multiple buildings and said, this nerd, all he does is listen to the numbers nerds. And yeah, they don't even know if the left guard's healthy and they've never suited up. And that didn't happen today. Yeah, he lost and probably got, you know, bashed for giving up a lead and stuff like that. But it wasn't fundamentally questioning his decision-making at a core level. It wasn't saying he was an embarrassment to the game of football and that he he wants to be a super genius. None of that happened today. It was just, oh, they screwed up and they didn't play well enough. And uh, so, yeah, I, I do. I think he was bullied out of being aggressive, and I think it cost him the game last night. Someone in the chat, uh, Luke, asked, do you, think, do you think it was the org? Like, do you think it was people in the organization? I mean, Spanos is obviously a very conservative owner in, in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think that they, they, to me, they're probably a win maximizer or they're, excuse me, they're a profit maximizer organization, not really a win maximizer. They didn't spend a ton this offseason, though. They, 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 you can't really take away from them going all in, trading picks, mm-hmm. getting big money players at all over the, all over the team. Um, but yeah, probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, man, just, just make the safe call. Just play it safe. And hey, it's not working. It didn't work out a lot of the time. So just keep it simple and play a traditional football brand. And we'll just go from there and see how it goes. Probably, yeah. Which is, you know, sad. Maybe that'll save him his job, though. I think it seems like. Right, right, right. Yeah. It, it seems like he might he might be safe there. And and there's some good um, some good thoughts around kind of the, the cheapness, profit maximization that they're trying to to accomplish and um you know Staley's relatively cheap especially relative to uh to Sean Payton um let's let's move on divisional round we know all the games except for one uh in which we don't know who the Niners will be facing all right to recap here's the schedule Saturday we have Jaguars Chiefs this is at 4 30 Eastern on NBC followed by Giants Eagles that's at 8 15 Eastern on Fox Sunday we have Bengals Bills, three Eastern on CBS with Romo and Nance. And then Dallas or Tampa will go to San Francisco for the Sunday night game, which kicks at 6.30 on Fox. Now, a couple things that you will notice about this schedule. The first is we do not get Tony Dungy, which is incredibly sad. Um, no one has ever made less of a 20, with a 27-point comeback than Tony Dungy had. Uh, Chicken noodle soup of announcing. <laughs> just incredible. And he brought that same energy to the uh, – the pregame in Cincinnati this week uh, or, or today. Um, so uh, last week, um, still obviously have uh, the the Bucks to go, um, but a pretty good week uh, across the board for us. We lost, obviously, the Chargers game, um, hit the overs in Miami, uh, Buffalo, Seattle, San Francisco. Um, Arjun had the under in Baltimore, Cincinnati on this show I got, last week. I got great cleave on that because it, it closed 40, and I had the under 44, so – Pays to be in Beautiful. the in the stream. 
Absolutely beautiful. Um, and uh, a lot of really good prop action as well. Um, so it was a good week last week. Let's see if we can keep it rolling this week. And let's start with Jacksonville and Kansas City. Um, these are all uh, <laughs> uh, rematches. Uh, Cincinnati Buffalo, obviously that game did not actually get played. But Jacksonville, Kansas City is a rematch. This one in Kansas City, as was the first one. Arjun, we'll start with you. Yeah, so uh, this game I went Chiefs minus eight. I went Chiefs minus eight and a half. I went Chiefs minus eight, and it is Chiefs minus nine. Uh, I think in most places. Let's see here. I thought I saw an eight and a half. Um, let me look at uh, FanDuel here. Um, great radio. Uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half minus one fifteen. Uh, for the Chiefs, so getting closer to nine. Um, Arjun, uh, total on this, by the way, 51 and a half. What's your take on yeah. this one? I, I was leaning towards the over in this game, but I think 51 and a half is a lot. I, I and because you know, we have to bet on every game, <laughs> I, I think I will go with the Jags here. It's tough to like really take away like their performance against the Chargers. They were absolute for an, a whole half and then, you know, really good in the second half. I do think their second half is closer to where like their actual performance was. And I think Brandon Staley had a great game plan in the first half that I don't think the Chiefs have the corners or secondary in general to replicate. So I do think the Jags will be able to have some, some success. I will just say, like, if you don't feel comfortable betting this at nine, you can just wait until the Jags have some type of turnover in the first quarter and get a better line because that's, you know, what they always do. And that's what happened the last time these two two teams played. Yeah, so you mentioned the over. I'm sure no one's surprised. That's where I'm continuing to roll here. Um, I'm afraid because I, I see a scenario with this game playing out where Kansas City wins by three touchdowns, and I see a scenario where Jacksonville kind of keeps it close. But a couple things in this one. We talked last week coming into the game about how Trevor Lawrence has been very good against man coverage. Obviously, the Chargers play a ton. The Chiefs also play a lot of cover one, cover zero, a lot of man coverage. Um, their corners have gotten better. Their pass rush has gotten better, but they're still – a defense you can take advantage of. They were top 10 in EPA per play on the second half of the season, though. I saw a bunch of comments about how how bad their defense is. It's not that bad of a defense. But um, anyway, um, the so so the Jaguars, you know, Trevor Lawrence does well against man. He also struggles against teams that disguise coverages, which the Chiefs also don't really do. So when they're set up in, you know, middle of field clothes, they're going to stay there or vice versa. Um, and so I think they will be able to move the ball. And then – you know, from matchup standpoint, I mean, Gerald Everett and Donald Parham both had big games. So I think Travis Kelsey will be able to feast against, you know, these linebackers and safeties in, in Jacksonville. I mean, I think they'll score, you know, kind of at will. Um, the Jaguars can't really generate a, a great pass rush. They're more of a good run-stuffing D-line. Um, and my last rationale for it is, hey, this is Doug Peterson up against his protege, or, or sorry, Doug Peterson, the protege, up against his, you know, former boss and Andy Reid. I think they're both going to be just busting out the good plays, um, trying to, you know, wow each other and and really have some fireworks here. So I'm going to go with the over. I, I like where your head is at there. Um, the In the first matchup, and I would expect this to continue in this matchup, the best defensive tackle in the NFL Chris Jones, eight uh, against Jacksonville. And I would expect him to do this again. The Jacksonville interior offensive line is not very good. Chris Jones, like a 93 PFF grade, it's the best among all defensive interior linemen. So that's one thing that, that worries me a little bit. I really like Kansas City as a teaser leg here. Um, I agree with all the points that that you and Ben made at the beginning of the podcast on, you know, the Chiefs are just 
they are the best team in the NFL and um, they uh, have something to prove this year very clearly. You know, as much as Jacksonville is impressive in that game, I think there's a little bit of we're happy to be here and uh, that won't be the case uh, for the Chiefs. So I'm going to go with the teaser leg here. I'll either tease it with Bucks eight and a half, which you can still get, um, or with uh, another one of these games um, if, uh, if they work out that way. A couple of notes on that first first matchup. Kelsey did do really well in that matchup, graded well. Trevor Lawrence graded incredibly well also. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a 92 PFF grade in this game. So uh, against the Jaguars, I'm not concerned with uh, the, the Jaguars kind of stopping Mahomes uh, in this one. So um, I feel good about getting it down to two and a half. Let's go to Giants and Eagles. This also a rematch. Um, now, I looked at both. I think the one in, in week 18, probably not super useful, given that the Giants didn't play uh, any of their starters in the games where they both played their starters. Um, the uh, the Eagles blew them out by 26. So, uh, or some, somewhere around there, it was 20. Um, and uh, it was... Um, it was kind of a slaughter the whole way through. So this, obviously, I think Giants team is getting a little bit more love uh, than that one might have been. Arjun, let's start with you. What did you make this? Uh, I went Eagles minus seven and a half. I went Eagles minus seven. I went Eagles by eight. Um, and uh, it is seven minus 115. Minus seven is minus 115. Plus seven is minus 105. The total at 47 and a half. Arjun, what are you going to do with this one? Um, yeah, so I, I don't think there's a I have a good edge for either side. Even the total feels like I don't know. This one this one's tough because I don't think the Giants offense is as good as it looked today just because they played one of the worst defenses in, in the NFL. But the thing is like the Eagles play not the same defense, but a very similar style defense to the Vikings, where it's a lot of zone coverage. It's a lot of off coverage. It's it's about preventing explosive plays. And I think the Giants could have some success offensively. But then again, the Eagles have had like two weeks to be ready for this. And, you know, they are one of the smarter teams in the league. So I think if I had to bet on this game, I would take the Eagles seven and a half. But I can totally understand for the reasoning why, like the Giants, like as a plucky team would would be the side in this game. I would lean Eagles as well. Um, you know, I Thomas was pointing out, which I think is fair. In the first matchup, you know, there, there were some giants like Thibodeau who weren't as big of a factor, but it was still a blowout nonetheless. Um, and I think the Week 18 game was important for Philadelphia. Like, Hurts didn't do great, but he got his feet back underneath him. He had a couple scrambles. I think just not going that long without playing a game was important. Um, at the same time, he kind of had both teams basically got a bye week because the Giants just didn't try. Um if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going back to it. I have rationale, though. I mean, again, uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley can run. The Eagles have struggled to defend the run all season long. Um, you know, with Jordan Davis, it's a little bit better, but not, you know, insanely better. Uh, Avante Maddox, the slot corner, I don't think he's going to play in this game, or if he is, he's not 100% healthy still. Um, you know, our guys, Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton and Richie James, I mean, they're, they're making it work uh, in New York. But, yeah, so end of the day, I think it skews towards a multi-score win for the Philadelphia um, but I'm more comfortable in, you know, they win 31-20 and it goes over 47. I think my favorite bet of the week is going to be whatever the Dallas Goddard lines are uh, after what TJ Hawkinson did for us today. 
against the uh, against the Giants. Uh, in case anyone missed it, because they were in a cave or under a rock, TJ Hawkinson had ten catches for 129 yards against the Giants' um, uh, blitz blitzing defense, the most blitz heavy defense in the NFL this year. Almost half their uh, pass plays uh, they do blitz, and so that of course leaves the the, the tight end as a really good op- option. Uh, Adore awesome. Jackson is back. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to add another good look. You have to go with Boston Scott, the Giants killer, who scored a touchdown mm. in all eight games against the Giants in his career. I mean, it's like it's it's an auto bet for me whenever that line comes out. Yeah, I mean, his name's Boston. Um, <laughs> he's obviously going to be a, a New York Giants killer. Um, and, you know, I think that – so what we have to remember is that the Vikings suck. This is a really important point. And so seeing the Giants come in as an underdog and win that game and be really excited about the Giants, seeing Daniel Jones run, seeing Saquon Barkley look spry, I think there's going to be a lot of people that like the Giants as a seven-and-a-half, seven-point underdog, um, and a lot of people who haven't seen the Eagles play well recently. And so you know, for that reason, I would lean Philly, uh, ATS, but I'm going to tease them with Kansas City. I love this getting through seven and three with both of the, the one seeds. Um, f- fantastic. Um, and I think for the reasons that you just brought up, Brad, around the, um, you know, the, the, the Eagles kind of Achilles heel being stopping the run and the giants with, um, you know, Kirk cousins with wheels and, and say, yeah, I'm 47 and a half. The giants and Dory Jackson is back, but their other two corners both have PFF grades in the low fifties. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, um, I, you know, unless there's like really, really bad weather, uh, 47 and a half feels like a, a, a good option there. And, and the Eagles are strong on the interior uh, of the offensive line, which is, of course, where uh, Dexter Lawrence resides. So um, I guess, t- you know, Thibodeau on the outside, if, if Johnson's banged up, could not 100 percent could could work in their favor. But I would lean over as well, but my official. I, I love real quick. I love Goddard with you as well. It's such a good call. Um, it's just such a good matchup. You have Jalen Smith and whoever at linebacker for the Giants. They have some good safeties. Like Xavier McKinney had a good game tonight, but no, they're gonna. Like you said throw into the blitz. It's gonna be Goddard on quick outs and screens. I think he's gonna have a ton of work. It's gonna be beautiful. Um, all right, Cincy Buffalo. I'm glad we get this matchup. I'm really glad we get this matchup. This is gonna be cool to see. This one is in Buffalo. Both really great teams with great quarterbacks. Um, I am interested, though, to see where you guys put this spread. Arjun, would you make it? I went Bills minus three. I had Bills minus four and a half. Whoa. So I guess I'm I'm interested in, Brad, how much you adjusted this from maybe a pregame um, perspective and why. So I had it two and a half. Um, and I moved it out to three. And the reason I moved it out to three was the, the Bengals getting pretty, pretty banged up, um, without potentially Jonah Williams. Um, and, uh, obviously got a little banged up at corner as well. That, that would worry me. Brad, did you, did you change the stall or were you at four and a half all the time? I did. I did. I was at three and a half. After the game. Oh, oh. Oh no. You hear me? I, just, I just said injuries. I had a three and a half, and because of the injuries, I, I boosted up a full point. But I did have it over a field goal even even before wow. you know we knew the full outcome of the game. Okay. Um, Arjun, what are you going to do this one? Yeah, this one, uh, I'm taking the Bengals here. 
Um, I was kind of shocked to hear that Brad didn't have his faith in Joe Burrow when if Tyler Huntley got that sneak, like it's like you're doubting Joe Shiesty, you know? Yeah. I was kind of surprised by that. By the way, I'm seeing but, four now on FanDuel. I'm seeing four. Yeah. A bunch. So it opened – okay, so I heard it opened at six and a half on DraftKings. It immediately got bet down to four and a half. It got down to three and a half at some point to yep. on DraftKings, and then if it's it might it might just end up around four four and a half by like the end of tonight or tomorrow morning. In, in fairness, DraftKings. So for anyone, I, we have a pretty learned group uh, here that listens to this podcast, members of the Printing Press. But um, some you can kind of tell which books actually have like make their own lines in house, and which ones are kind of cobbling them together either with, through a third party or whatever. Um, but that should give you a little bit of a sign there. That's that's pretty hilarious. Um, okay, uh, uh, yeah, it, that that's a lot of movement. So um, you're gonna go. Your official bet is uh, is Bengals plus four total fifty and a half. By the way. Yeah, so I definitely like the Bengals here. Um, I'll probably also be betting them on the money line. I, I just think I, I know they got banged up, but the thing with the, I think the Bills are kind of overrated. We're all clowning the Bengals. Oh, it took a fumble six for them to beat the Ravens. Like the, you know, the bills were, were like letting the dolphins hang around. The dolphins put up 31 points on the bills. I know a lot of that came via short fields, but that's what the bills do. They are a high variance team. And Allen, Josh Allen has this, what I like to call the bozo gene that, that gets turned on in the red zone. And given the luck and it is luck, believe me, given the luck that the Bengals have had in recent years in the postseason, not recent years, just the last two years in the postseason at forcing turnovers and creating big plays on defense. I, I will inevitably predict a Josh Allen interception in the red zone. That is either like a tipped pass or off someone's helmet that Eli Apple takes to the house for six and starts gritting in, uh, (laughs) in Buffalo, the Bengals, even outside of the luck factor that I think they, they have that obviously I'm just kind of spitting here, but I do think the bills aren't that good of a defense. And I do think the Bengals, even without Jonah Williams will have success just to pull up some stats after Von Miller went down dur- during Thanksgiving, the bills have ranked 18th in pressure rate 21st in pressure to sack conversion rate. And, you know, Joe Burrow, I think his pocket presence has definitely been better since last year. And because the bills won't, I don't think be able to generate pressure all that much even without Jonah Williams uh, starting a left tackle, I think the Bengals will have some, some success. The Bills secondary, I think I said this last week, is overrated. They were getting toasted this week by uh, Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill on these deep crossers and go routes. That's what the Bengals like to do, run these go routes, throw it up to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And had it not been for some unfortunate Waddle or Tyree drops, the, the Bills game could have been a completely different story. But And I do think Chase and Higgins are the right receivers to take advantage of that. So, yes, we'll be betting – our Cincinnati Bengals at plus four and taking some on the money line because I do think they have a good chance to win this game. Oh, I don't I don't disagree with a single word you just said. I understand every single perspective you have there. Uh, a couple things. First, I look, I, I get they have not been as good without Von Miller, but they're going to get a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow with this offensive line. I, I mean, it's it's a bad, bad unit right now. Um, they still have Rousseau, lost out a good game today. They have the interior guys with Oliver and Jordan Phillips and all these dudes. Um, and they also... If they need to start blitzing, they will. They just haven't really, you know, have even gone to that point, even post Von Miller. I will say, look, the Bengals, I know we only saw a quarter of that game. The Bengals were the better football team in the, you know, DeMar Hamlin matchup. 
Like they look like they were kind of in command of that game. I'm sure they're going to be pissed off that they're playing on the road in this game and all those things. Mm-hmm. And, all, you know, I get all that, but um, we should have Micah Hyde back for this game. So you actually get a, a mm-hmm. massive upgraded safety. Him and Poirier will be playing in this game. Um, and, and I just, it's funny. Both obviously had fluky wins or had weird wins, but but the Bengals, without really turning the ball over, barely won. The Bills, I mean, Allen gave up a sack fumble that was a touchdown and had two bad interceptions. Like you said, short fields, all those things. Yes, it's Skylar Thompson. I, mean, I think Skylar Thompson and, and Tyler Huntley is a bit of a wash, frankly. Um, so anyway, I don't know. Long answer short, like I hear everything you're saying. I just think he's got he's gotten away with this so many times. Eventually, it's going to stop, and I think this is the week where – no, I hear. I love it. I love the disagreement. I, I always say we need to just disagree more often. Um, I think this is the end of the road. I already hopped on three and a half. It's now back out to four. So I got a little cleave, a little cleavage. Um, I, I just think this is where this is where it ends. You know, Brad, you're a little under the weather, and you've made yes. it this far. You know, about 55 minutes in, but now it's starting to show. You know, we're starting to see <laughs> some of the cracks uh, in the uh, in the decision making here. This should not be over three. Three is the right line here. And so if you're getting three, um, you got to take the Bengals. You know, the big the big matchup here, the, the offensive line versus the defensive line, we've talked about this a bunch, but maybe not a lot recently in terms of pass rush and coverage. And if you can't cover, it, it, it is going to be a problem. And especially with, I think, the point that you made about Travis White not playing super well, really every single corner. Uh, for the Bills has been, I think, a sub-60 PFF grade. So really the two things that I'm looking at this game, like Jamar Chase should once again eat in this game. And Stephon Diggs versus Eli Apple is a crime against humanity. I mean, if you think think that Eli Apple is going to get shaken out of the stadium against the the Baltimore Ravens receivers and Demarcus Robinson – then Stefan Diggs is going to put Eli <laughs> Apple into a literal spin sign. He's going to be in a tornado. The dude is going to be in a blender continuously. So, um, so the, I, I can already tell you, I think I, those are kind of the two angles there. You might even look at the over. Um, but in terms of this game, I, I, I will take the Bengals plus four. Um, I, just, I think, for all of the reasons that, um, that, that Arjun brought up. And looking at the Buffalo defensive line, um, you know, they, they certainly are quite strong. It's not as if the Miami Dolphins offensive line is something to be praised uh, either. And I thought it was a little bit of a, uh, you know, wasn't the greatest performance against a team that, that, I mean, had no chance. Whereas the Ravens were a defense that has continuously challenged Joe Burrow. And, you know, um, while it wasn't his best game, um, uh, the Bills are not, are not quite that. So uh, I'll rock with the Bengals plus four. All right. We have potentially uh, either we have the Dallas Cowboys in San Francisco against the 49ers or Tampa Bay Bucks uh, in San Francisco. We'll obviously know who they're playing tomorrow night. So we're going to do a quick little uh, playoff special tomorrow night. This trio, maybe 20, 25 minutes where we'll talk about that game, take a look where the line is. But just to get some quick thoughts from you guys in terms of where you think this could be, let's start with a Tampa win going to San Francisco. This obviously a rematch of a Brock Purdy, a BCB masterclass, if you will, on film uh, where they just torched Tampa Bay. Um, Arjun, what would you make that if it was Tampa after a win going to San Francisco? 
if it was if it, if Tampa had to go to San Francisco, I think I would probably make it like Niners minus seven. Wow. Do you think it's interesting that fundamentally, if they beat Dallas, it's kind of a win against a team similar to 49ers, right? Really good pass rush, kind of susceptible secondary that you can pick on a little bit. It's Look, the nicest I know thing the anyone said about the Cowboys all year. Yeah, that was very, very, you know, but more like a similar style, I would say, more mm-hmm. than like, you know, um, or, or a similar approach to roster construction and where they're strong and where they're weak. Um, obviously, the offense in San Fran is is chock full of much more, many more weapons, but seven's a ton. I was going to say five and a half, but I mean, I know that I know they obviously beat the, you know, the breaks off less than they play it. But yeah, I was thinking five and a half or six. I was thinking seven and a half uh, just because of that. I I would be very worried about um, Tampa going in there, especially if they get, they get banged up so easily. Even if they, I think the Dallas game will be a physical game, they get out of it. Um, they're going to have two days less rest than the Niners will, um, which uh, I think will make a difference. Um, and and I, I think the Niners, I mean, that defensive line for the Bucks is just not special. And I think the Niners have their way there. Maybe even they'll give. Uh, maybe they'll need to give Christian McCaffrey sixteen uh, or seventeen carries. <laughs> Stop! Um, God damn it. The only reason, the only reason that I got saved there was because I bet like all of the McCaffrey props. So I had, I had yeah. yards, I had touchdown, but man, we deserved that. The process was so sound, um, and Elijah Mitchell was terrible, just terrible in that game. Um, so, so I went seven and a half. Okay, let's say Dallas wins, uh, gets the dub in Tampa. Arjun, what would you make Dallas in San Francisco? I think I would go Niners minus six. Yeah, I was going to say four and a half, five, a little bit less than Tampa. Yeah, I I basically just crossed seven. Um, I said uh, San Francisco by six and a half. You know, my thought is if they beat Tampa Bay, that means Dak didn't look like complete garbage. And so I think it's worth – it's worth putting them on the other side of uh, other side of seven. They're probably a little more spunky, even if the the defensive line for the Niners has their way with uh, Tyron Smith. Like Nick Bosa versus Tyron Smith is a is a bad matchup for Tyron Smith. Um, and uh, but at least Dak's got a little bit of mobility there. And I do think you know Ceedee Lamb presents a a unique challenge for uh, for the Niners that could have it could get a few things going. Um, also, but the, yeah. Shanahan has been in his bag. Just like with Purdy, you know, Brock Purdy averaged a 0.72 EPA per play. And I didn't hear one film grinder analyst out there on Twitter saying he had a good game. Yeah. It's crazy how many open guys Purdy was able to throw to. I think Shanahan's, this is the best I've ever seen from him. And I think I don't care what Dallas or Tampa Bay's defenses are. Like, I think Shanahan is going to, is going to, you know, coach circles around them. Yeah. Well, he did. Honestly, I mean, in in the in the beginning of the game, he probably should have thrown two pick, two or three picks. That was. He did settle in, I was yeah. He settled in very well in the second half, but he definitely had a couple bounce off some guys' hands. But it's also like, yeah, it was his first playoff game. Uh, maybe that'll help. Yeah, you know, 12. getting over that hump, kind of settling in a little bit. You know, yeah. build the confidence. A little Ben Solak out in, out in the bay. <laughs> it's funny. He puts the the um, the beanie the on. Beanie. He just looks. Yeah. Looks so young. Um, all right. Well, we'll know tomorrow, and we'll we'll hop on uh, and do a little uh, little special forecast. Uh, if you have not already, 
if you're listening, thank you for hanging out with us late on a Sunday evening. Hopefully you enjoyed the playoff football thus far and you've got some uh, some good bets rolling for tomorrow. But if you don't, hop into uh, either PFF.com, PFF app, or a big recommendation, the PFF Printing Press Discord. Um, I, Arjun just continues to give out winners in there. The first TD bets have been doing very well. Masterful. It's absolutely masterful. Um, so get involved and uh, have some fun with us tomorrow. It'll be, it'll be a good time. Thanks for hanging out. Love you. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace.